Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. So, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Simone. I've got some big news today. I know, I'm just dying. Go, what? Well, happy anniversary. <gasps> oh, I It is love our one-year anniversary oh, of our show. So I've been thinking about it because it was your birthday, and um, we partook in the enjoyment of the Wine and Spirits show that time, and it, that was close to when we started. Yeah, so. I looked it up awesome. before the show. It's actually March 3rd, but we can count yes, this one. Close the closest. Who so, would have thought we would have laughed? We, we made it a year. <laughs> Let's see how much longer we go. So, uh, yeah, awesome. big news. Uh, a lot of news coming through on um, coastal issues. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people may have seen the big New York Times, Times Picayune. New York what? Big New York Times. Yeah. Uh, weekend special, Sunday Sunday Times uh, special uh, section. Yeah, 10 months worth of work. It was beautiful. I love the graphics and... You know, and the article was, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> 10 months worth of work. So I don't want to focus on the graphics, but I cannot wait. We're going to have those guys on the show. Yeah, we're going to have Mark Schlefstein, who we've had on before, mm-hmm. as well as John Schwartz um, with the New York Times, who did a lot of the reporting and partnership with them. And I just, I love it. I geek out just because I love <laughs> uh, it as an example of, of partnerships between national and local and the power of local journalism. Absolutely. So I'm excited to dig into all I that. Saw, I saw a tweet. It must have, I think it was from Sarah and they had on a whiteboard and it says, just when you think you can't do something, remember in this room somebody said hey let's do something with the new york times i was like i love that that's yeah. that's pretty cool great for inspiration it's been great yeah. seeing all the the um praise and accolades that they've been getting from Absolutely. that well what are we talking about today what we're talking about today we're talking about church that's what <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about little kids we're, bucket list <laughs> yeah we're having um actually someone who is an expert in so many areas, but particularly environmental communications. I was fortunate enough to go through um, the Loyola Institute on Environmental Communications, as have so many people I know that work in coastal issues and environmental issues here in Louisiana. And it was an amazing experience. Um, Dr. Bob Thomas, director and professor of Loyola Center for Environmental Communications, among many other things. We're going to get to your to your resume in the this show. This is his stomping grounds. I know. <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome back well, welcome to Delta Dispatches, and welcome back to WGSO, Dr. Bob. It's good. This is the chair I always sit in. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> I feel right at home. It still feels the same. <laughs> so you you actually had a show on the radio station, on this radio station, you know, not yeah. too long ago. Yeah. yeah. I had one back uh, before Katrina that was called The Environment Show. We're a very clever name. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I worked with Kevin Fitzwilliam, one of my former students, when he did all things local here. And I did... Uh, Enviro commentary segment about every second or third week. Well, welcome back and thank you for being on. Welcome back. Thanks for paving the way for Jacques and I to (laughs) have a show. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You must have done something right. They're like, hey, maybe Uh, we can do another environmental show. They're like, you know what? We'll try again. We'll try with these two. Let's see how it goes. (laughs) So in addition to being the director for Loyalist Center for Environmental Communications, you also teach a number of classes, um, tropical ecology, tropical communication, Mississippi River Delta ecology, spinning the planet, and occasionally herpetology. So what is exactly is uh, (laughs) tropical communication? And, the and spinning the planet. About? Yeah, I'm curious <laughs> about those two. Let's well, talk about that. <laughs> spinning the planet is uh, it, it's a uh, a freshman course, so it's meant to be a little different uh, outside the box, and it kind of stimulates people coming right out of high school. Because let's face it, when you become a freshman in any university, any university, you're basically repeating your senior year. <laughs> you know, you're taking English, you're taking math, you're taking history. And uh, so we implemented a, a sort of a unique program uh four or five years ago, and it's really working very well. And so what it was about was 
about looking at the media and environmental issues. And we looked at them from all different perspectives. So now it's kind of morphed into a, a, a new title that's called Media and the Environment. It's just more descriptive. But uh, lots of fun, though. Yeah, well, and, you know, what a great place for students to actually study the environment, right? I mean, yeah. you can get out, you can experience it, and there's so much of Louisiana's environment that impacts our lives and that we can access if we if we choose. Um, so tell us a little bit about the Loyola Center for Environmental Communication and kind of the work that you all do there. Okay. Well, when I, uh, when I went to Loyola, you know, I had been the former uh, director of the Louisiana Nature Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started that in 1978. And uh, our role there was to speak to the public, speak across, across all stakeholder groups, all disciplines, all areas of interest about environmental affairs. Uh, and uh, first, first nature center of our kind in southeast Louisiana. And, uh, and we built that into a pretty big organization. And we, we literally did everything from you know, spiders are neat and frogs are neat, all the way up to hard-hitting environmental issues that we face up and down the river in the petrochemical corridor, et cetera. And, uh, and then I was lucky enough to, uh, to uh, you know, get a professorship at, at Loyola. And, uh, and my, my role there was supposed to train journalists how to cover the environment. And so I basically just took what I did at the Nature Center and took it to a college level and uh, understanding that the pe- my audience now would be an audience that would be speaking about, videoing about, writing about the environment. So it kind of took it to a different level, but still the same thing. And uh, so the second year I was there, I started a center because I wanted something that kind of focused attention at Loyola on environmental communication. We had an environmental minor at the time that was quite good, uh, but it was a minor, and, uh, and we knew it needed to grow. So I uh, proposed, and, uh, and, and my uh, proposal was accepted to do a center. And so that just kind of forced me into writing grants, doing things beyond the classroom. And uh, we did a whole bunch of projects, a lot of them in Louisiana, some of them in the Caribbean, some of them in Central America. Uh, I am a tropical biologist mm-hmm. by training. It's one of, my, one of my fields in biology. So it was natural for me to, to kind of uh, work in that area. And um, uh, so from there, we, uh, you know, I taught for many years. I taught tropical ecology, and we did field work mostly in Belize in that trip. But I do a lot of field work in Trinidad and all over South America. Uh, but um, we, um, uh, you know, so it was a natural thing when I turned that over, and I finally turned it over to uh, my daughter, Dr. M.A. Thomas, who mm-hmm. did the show here with me occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. We'll put her on the guest right, list. We'll exactly. have her. Yeah, exactly. She's a spider person, by the way. <laughs> oh, fun. Uh, but also environmental ed in a big way. And uh, uh, and Dr. Frank Jordan, who uh, is the primary uh, professor of record in that course now. Mm-hmm. So I go with them every year and do a lot of teaching in the class. But but then I started attracting communication students to go with me. And we did communications work in the tropics. And that's what tropical communication is. That's great. And, you know, in our roles, and I'm sure, Simone, you experienced this as well. I mean, we have so many incredibly knowledgeable and very, very intelligent scientists, right? And they need to learn how to communicate their science and reach people. Mm -hmm. And similarly, on the communications and outreach side, we have to understand the science and understand how to to communicate it. So bridging that gap makes so much sense. Well, that's, uh, uh, that's what the IEC, the Institute of Environmental Communication, does at Loyola. It brings people like you, as you Mm -hmm. did, 
and a lot of your colleagues and a lot of my friends come in and they sit through a program for uh, for about 12 workshops and um, basically listen to speakers, but then they interact and talk about the issues, which means that you, as, as a, an Audubon person, is sitting there and you might be conversing with somebody from Shell, mm-hmm. but who might then turn around and ask a question of an environmental teacher who might then turn around and ask somebody who uh, is an activist with uh, another organization. And, uh, and the conversation gets different. Yeah, and I, I, that was one of the best aspects of the program was just how um, kind of cross-disciplinary it was. And it really, I mean, we really were in it's the classroom with people. It's probably different every time, it, too, yeah. right? Because you have different people from different backgrounds. So each, each time you do the program, it's probably different, too. Yeah, I mean, we yeah, people from the nonprofits, people from corporate settings, people from government. Um, and, you know, we really talked about a wide range of environmental issues and how do you communicate them? How do you bridge gaps? I want to get into that and kind of get your um, perspective on, you know, bridging gaps and communications, bringing people together from across different sides of the aisle. Um, but we have to head into a break. Um, we're right, we'll be right back with Dr. Bob Thomas with Loyola. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. Good. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org slash Louisiana to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org slash Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats, for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Laws with Restore Retreat. And we have with us Dr. Bob Thomas, Director and Professor at Loyola Center for Environmental Communications. Welcome back, Dr. Bob. 
Good to be here. So we were talking about the Institute for Environmental Communications mm-hmm. and kind of how it brings together a lot of people. I think, I mean, not just in environmental communications, but in general, I mean, that is so important. And so often our information and communications tends to be siloed or divisive even. Right. So what are some of the things that you focus on either in your classes or through the the, the Institute um, that help people come together and help bridge those those gaps in communications and inf- yeah. information? Well, I, you know, it's, it's it's not magic. It's just, uh, I think, being very honest and uh, uh, being very transparent in everything that we talk about so that and offering uh, uh, to, to give information to people if they question where you got the information. Don't just trust me. Matter of fact, I, I do it at IEC and I do it in my environmental communications class. The first class, I say, look, be skeptical of everyone. Challenge everyone. Challenge every bit of information that you get, including me. When I say something to you, don't just take it for granted because I'm your professor. And, uh, and it kind of sets a stage, I think, where people immediately kind of squint their eyes and go, hmm, that's interesting. Nobody's ever said that to me before. And then um, uh, the other thing is, being a scientist myself, uh, I, I love trying to break down complex scientific issues so that the lay public can understand them. And so, you know, look at the big issues that we're, we're we're talking about. I mean, we talk about climate change a lot, and there are a lot of deniers, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of people who accept blindly uh, what's going on. But then there's a whole cadre of people out there who want to know more and want to be able to ask questions about things they've wondered about. This morning, I started my environmental communications class by talking about the uh, uh, series that David Hammer did last week mm-hmm. uh, about the uh, Dinka plant. Mm-hmm. And um, and I showed him one of the the uh, episodes and uh, gave him a little assignment to do a reflection on all three of them. And, uh, and I told him, I said, look closely. Use all the skills we've talked about this semester to look at how words are used, what people say, uh, what can be verified, what can't be verified. And I said, and also allow yourself to be captivated by the emotion of the moment because... Environmental programs, uh, environmental issues always start out with an emotional response. Mm -hmm. And that response for some of us is, oh my gosh, how can that be allowed to happen? And for other people, it's, I I can't believe that's happening. I think that that's crazy. And and then everything in between. So um, uh, that's sort of the way I'm introducing discussion of uh, uh, the so-called cancer alley, which Mm -hmm. we'll be talking about in Mm -hmm. class. That I want them to look at something like that where real people are talking about their real concerns in a real passionate way. Uh, and then we'll get into the science of it and try to do an overlay of science and emotion and technical solutions and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly something that we encounter in our jobs. And I think... Um, you know, here in Louisiana, if you're talking about climate change, sometimes people may not want to listen to that. You know, it immediately shuts them off. But you're able to connect with them based on what they've seen in their lifetimes and what they're right. seeing kind of on the ground, whether they're fishing and they've seen spots just disappear, you know, as a result yeah. of land loss or, you know, uh, other factors. Um, and maybe you start there. You start with what their experience is and then kind of um, can bridge that gap, you know, yeah. and so... I guess there's no like silver bullet, but you just kind of have to <laughs> keep trying. Well, I, you know, sometimes I kind of think of it as as kind of loosening the screws on my uh, my worldview and my value system and things like that, because if you're so tightly wound and tightened up, uh, and you believe only a certain way, 
and any information that comes in that contradicts the way you believe today that you look at uh, uh, as suspect information and somebody driving a new agenda, uh, you're not open-minded and you're not open to other ideas and to hear uh, what uh, how other people think that we should approach issues. So that's another thing that we do in IEC and in my classes is that we try to open everybody's mind mm -hmm. and say, look, it's not dangerous to do that. It simply makes you think differently. And a lot of you will probably just drift right back to where your basic values are. And that's fine. And I never, I tell them, I never try to change your mind. I just want you to think widely and broadly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There, uh, Jacques and I have been uh, to the Center for River Studies, which opened in mm -hmm. Baton Rouge a couple of times. But there's this new video there. It's kind of a coastal 101. It's, it's beautifully shot. They have a little theater. And when you go in there, you sit down there and it's, it's, I think it's about four minutes, an overview of uh, Louisiana in the river, but it's, it's just done beautifully. But there's a line in there that always sticks out to me. And the narrator says, um, it's our stomping ground. It's our common ground. And so that's what Jacques is saying, oh, too, about finding that common ground. And so yeah. you were part of a documentary, right, mm -hmm. called oh, yeah. uh, Finding Common Ground. So finding why don't you, common ground. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about something like that, oh, sure. about being a part of... Sure. being a communicator in a documentary like that. And that, that's just one of many I right. think you've well, been a part of. But. My, my, my partner in documentaries is Kevin McCaffrey, and he's just a brilliant uh, uh, film man. And uh, what we did is I, I, I had been asked by CPRA to, uh, to facilitate a public meeting in Chalmette. Well, it just turned into a war zone. We've it, heard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was mind-boggling, and it went on for like four hours. But, uh, but Kevin went there that night with a camera and just said, I'm just going to go shoot a couple of things in case we can use it. And uh, the next morning, we were having coffee and donuts and debriefing, and we both identified the same five people that made so much common sense out of the issues at hand. A lot of people were grandstanding, and we understood that. It was mm -hmm. just a grandstanding event for a lot of people. Well, we set about to do a, um, uh, a documentary on diversions because at the time that's, that was really raging, still is. And, um, and we went into it to say, well, should, how should people think about diversions? And that was really the, the focus going in. Well, what came out at the end <laughs> was, was how, do we, how do we communicate things to one another? And if you get to the end of the documentary, you start out at the beginning of the documentary and everybody's saying, I'm for restoration projects or I'm from diver for diversions. And at the end, everybody's kind of nodding their head and saying, well, you know, we're really going to end up having to do both. Mm -hmm. And we really understand that there are uh, uh, times when a diversion works best or when restoration works best. And we have to be concerned about people's livelihoods and their culture. And, and, and that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand, that environmental people uh, are very concerned about people's well-being. It's not just saving bunnies and plants and frogs. It's also about keeping a, an environment that, we can hand down to our children and grandchildren, but at the same time, it's worrying about the culture and the economics of people today. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so the, the the film was just lots and lots of fun, and it did I think find common ground. And we did talk to people on both sides, and we did have people being very logical as they went by, <laughs> showing their inner feelings about our wonderful coast. So that launched us into the next five. <laughs> which, which we're raising money for right now. But it, it's going to be a five-part series called uh, Louisiana Seafood Platter. 
and we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna profile oysters, crabs, finfish, shrimp, and uh, crawfish. Nice. Uh, each one an hour type film. And um, there's probably a cast of characters oh, yeah. available <laughs> on <Yeah>. all. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, we know a lot of them, but we're gonna meet new ones. Yeah. Uh, lots of fun and, days uh, filming, I'm sure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that, probably but, not too bad eating either. No, no. <laughs> but uh, but that but that's the main thing is that it goes back to those few words we said a while ago about our our philosophy on how you communicate and how you um, uh, are open minded about issues. It, it's one of the things I love about being at, at Loyola with it being a Jesuit university. I mean, people are very serious about the way other people are treated. Justice is a huge issue. Mm-hmm. And a cornerstone of our of what we do as as our critical thinking skills, and uh, and both of those are things that we use at every moment in IEC, and in my classes, mm-hmm. and in our documentaries, and everything else that we do. Yeah, and I mean it's 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 such a great you know way to view the world, right, and kind of approach mm-hmm. your your the people you're interacting with. I mean, finding common ground. It was a wonderful documentary. It really did profile the issue and the people so so well and one of the things I, love, I mean kind of started kind of around that documenting the 2012 master plan process i think it came out about the time that the 2017 master plan was coming out and in those public meetings you saw huge improvements and how they were communicating totally with each agree. other yeah how they were engaging and you didn't have that kind of you know you know headbutting you know divisiveness in the meetings at least even if people had differences of opinion they knew how to address them and communicate so um do you mind hanging on one more segment we want to get into the sure. louisiana master naturalist work he's gonna take our jobs over i think he's loving it <laughs> i think he's happy to be back in the seat I'm just sitting here in the middle okay <laughs> well we'll be right back with dr bob thomas um right after the break you're listening to delta dispatches on wgso 990 a.m Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org slash Louisiana. 
And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. Um, we're back talking about environmental communications with Dr. Bob Thomas um, with Loyola and Loyola Center for Environmental Communications. So want to get into the more naturalist side of, of your of your work and the your other background. Bob. Yeah. The nature <laughs> Bob. <side>. Nature <laughs> Bob. Um, so I love this. I mean, you are an avid naturalist and outdoor enthusiast from fishing, sailing, trapezing through jungles, scuba we diving, talk more about that. <laughs> searching for Market. rare amphibians. So have you always been so deeply connected to nature in so, your life? Yes, it was little Bob. Just uh, always. Yes, little Bob's dad was a was a veterinarian in a small yeah. town in Central Texas, and I went on calls with him all the time. And uh, if a rattlesnake crawled across the road, we <laughs> stopped and got out and talked about it. <laughs> and uh, that was. And then we lived in Europe and uh, we camped out a lot. And so my my dad and my mom were very instrumental in that. But but I've just grown and grown and grown and grown and grown with it. And that's why I'm interested in the tropics. I actually work on snakes. That's my main research area. And uh, so that's why I've been all over South America in the tropics, because that's the area where I'm really, really interested. And, um, uh, and, and so it's a natural thing to be a naturalist here. I mean, from my nature center days, that's what yeah. I did at the nature yeah. center when I wasn't being an administrator. I love the thought of the poses. Thomas household talking about snakes and spiders and <laughs> creepy crawly things. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, you know, my daughter, my daughter is a, a, a spider expert who teaches at Loyola and I've got a brother-in-law who's a, one of the best prairie botanists in the United States. Wow. And then I've got another brother-in-law who's retired from the government, but he's a marine biologist. And so when we go to the beach together. We have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not just sunbathing and uh, soaking in the, in the, right. in the surf. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, so tell us a little bit about, I mean, this is another program that I, I have on my bucket list. I need to do at some point. And I have colleagues that have done it and just have, cannot say enough how much of an amazing and rewarding experience it is, but Louisiana Match- Master Naturalist uh-huh. Program. So tell us about that program yeah. and um, how long it's been around, kind of what people do when they complete the, the program. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we tried to start it back in the late 80s when I was at the Nature Center as an adult education outreach program. So that, that program's been around in other states for a long time. But uh, uh, back in uh, 2012, spring of 2012, I got a call from Paul Carell, who at the time was the mm-hmm. vice chancellor yeah. of the Ag Center, if you know Paul, mm-hmm. and uh, Bobby Fletcher, who uh, worked with him. And they said, you still interested in doing a Master Nationals program? I said, I'd love to. And they said, come on down to the Sheridan. Have a cup of coffee with us. So I ran down there, and, uh, and we hatched out the idea right there to, to get moving. We held a couple of steering committees with state people from all over the state. Nothing was moving, so I just came home from one of those meetings one day and said, we're just going to start it in New Orleans. There's plenty of naturalists here that I, that I run around with. So we put together a steering committee, a board, started having workshops. And the way it works today is that uh, you get into a workshop. The workshop uh, uh, consists of 12 classes, full-day classes. Uh, we do one in the, in the uh, uh, fall on a Friday. They're all on Friday. Mm-hmm. Then we do one in the spring. They're all on Saturdays. That allows people yeah. they can do one or the other mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. take their pick. Uh, we've put over 300 people through the program. I think David is, huh? Youth, isn't he? Uh, well, he's an honorary. Honorary. He got, a, he got our <laughs> big award. Oh, wow. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We, we uh, have a, uh, an outstanding naturalist award that we oh, give wow. each year. For the first time, we gave it this past year, and we chose uh, David as our inaugural person. Nice. And, uh, but, uh, but anyway, but there are a lot of people that anybody who's interested in nature or the environment know that have been through the program. And the concept is is to is not to make people a master. I mean, that's the name because that's the national name. 
but uh, none of us are masters. I'm not in it. I've been at it for 60 years. But, uh, but anyway, the, uh, 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 what we try to do is to get people where they know the basics. They know the, sort of the entryway into nature. And they learn about plants. They learn about bugs. They learn about spiders. They learn about snakes. They learn about frogs, mammals, birds, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and, uh, and, and it's just been really, really popular. I mean, right now we're already putting people in a class a year and a half away right now and the two between there are full mm. and uh so we really encourage people to get on our website if you just google louisiana master naturalist a bunch of websites will show up because now it's gone from our chapter in new orleans to having a state board uh and seven chapters oh wow so every every large city in the state has a chapter now we're real pleased with that and we have a a rendezvous coming up. It's our annual meeting up, up north of Alexandria where people <laughs> are going to hang out together for a weekend and have classes and service events and training and things like that. That's great. I think um, Dr. Eric Johnson, who's with Audubon, Louisiana, I, he has presented or is going to oh, present. Every time. Yeah, and <laughs> he, we'll let him go. <laughs> we love Eric. We've had him on the show before. But yeah, oh, if, if you want to talk birds, he will and David are, are yeah. both great people to have. Both of them are great names. And both will talk about birds. Uh, they will talk a lot about birds. They won't tell you what their favorite bird is that we've tried to ask. And they both always of them, say. Both yeah. of them say, well, the last one I saw. That's that's they say that's their favorite bird. Well, I mean, in the, in the vein of education and environmental education. I mean, we know there's been a lot of discussion around coastal education, coastal literacy. Bob Marshall did a, a column on that. I think, yeah. I mean, there's discussion about the state curriculum and right. how do we better educate, you know, the youth to understand the environment in which they live. Tell us a little bit about that and why it's important. I mean, for people growing up, mm-hmm. people can grow up myself in and around New Orleans and not really have a concept of what's beyond the levees, right? Yeah. And so why is it so important to have that education and access from a young age? Well, that's the way it is in most places, to be honest with you, unless you grow up in a country where you, where you uh, are in contact with nature every day. But uh, why it's so vitally important here is because we live in such a threatened place. I mean, we lived along a coastline that's been losing over 80-some-odd years, an average of about 25 square miles a year. Now, think about that. If it all happened in Orleans Parish, it would take only eight years for Orleans Parish to completely disappear. But luckily, it's, being, it's happening in little fragments everywhere. But unluckily, it's happening in little mm-hmm. fragments everywhere. Right. And, uh, and until people understand the connection between those wetlands and their well-being and their livelihoods, don't expect them to urge people to protect them. And don't expect politicians to pick up the flag and run at the front of the parade when they don't know that they're, everybody's behind them. So the more people are behind them, like the captain at any Mardi Gras parade, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to run, but they're going to look back every once in a while to make sure people are still behind them. And, um, and so it's vitally important. And we pushed that for years at the Nature Center. And, uh, and, and now I do it. You know, I've been teaching this uh, course on the Delta Ecology for almost 40 years. A lot of teachers have gone through there, lots of people, bankers, whatever, people in all fields. And, uh, and they're sensitized. They might not be experts, but they're sensitized to the values and understand. Uh, you know, I was giving a talk after Katrina to a group of students from, um, uh, from Nebraska and talking about the values of Louisiana and why they're important, why Louisiana is so vitally important to the rest of the country. And I, and I, and I used a lot of examples. And when I was done, I was standing in the hallway and one of their chaperones came up to me and said, I love that you talked about that to them. And he said, but nobody ever has to tell me that again. I said, why? And he says, he says, I'm a corn farmer. 
And he said, what I do every year during the summer is I harvest corn. And we take it right down to the river, put it on barges, and it comes right through New Orleans, goes to the world market. That's the way we support ourselves. That's our lives. It's how we define ourselves. And he said, when Katrina hit, we went down to put them on the barges. They said, we can't go down the rivers. So we put them, we put them in silos. And he said, right about the time we topped off the silos, the bottom fell out of the world market on corn, and we lost everything. Uh. And he said, and it was all because New Orleans was closed down. And to be honest, he said, up here in my farm in Nebraska, I never put two and two together and realized how dependent I am on New Orleans. And boy, that just rang a huge bell with me. I mean, wow. I, I talk that like that all the time, but to have somebody tell mm-hmm. you straight up uh, how they experienced it is pretty powerful. So it really tells you that, you know, and you know that. I mean, mm-hmm. you do that. You do that. I mean, we all, we all do, do these things because we know how vitally important it is. Yeah, I mean, that's so powerful. And I mean, not just what's at stake to the rest of the country, but it's important people here in Louisiana realize what's at stake. So we're not talking about, you know, coastal land loss that's happening far off in the distance. I mean, these are wetlands and marshes that not only help protect us, but, you know, they provide so many services, natural services and and so much value. And so, yeah, the more that we can give people access to that um, and educate them about that, I think the more you're, you're exactly right, the support we'll have and the more success we'll have in trying to do something about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I have to ask a fun question because I don't know if it's a requirement if we if you've listened to the show before. (laughs) So you've traveled all over the world, you know, been to probably some of the most remote and exotic places. Uh Um, If you, you know, were given a plane tomorrow and to just go anywhere and spend spend two weeks just, you know, doing whatever. So can we say not a tropical place? Well, doesn't matter because he's going to pick a tropical. Okay. well, I don't want to limit well, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Let's okay. See. So okay, you have a plane. Yeah, you have a plane see. ready to pick you up and take you anywhere in the world to go. Where would you go? Uh, I'd like to go to a uh, a, a beautiful Louisiana marsh. <laughs> to me, that's the most beautiful place on earth, and that's why I live in New Orleans. We'll always live in New Orleans, and uh, it's I, I think one of the most powerful. It's tropical sometimes, and I have been on all eight <laughs> continents. Okay. No. So. <laughs> when you've seen it and you you know where your where home is, yeah. I guess there's nowhere else that's to go. Right. <laughs> well, that's a great answer. And and Dr. Bob Thomas, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Can't think of a better way to have our one year anniversary than the environmental <laughs> communications radio veteran himself uh, joining us. <laughs> we'll have to have you back because you know we you. just scratched the surface. So thank you again so much, um, Dr. Bob Thomas Loyola um, and Loyola Center for Environmental Communications. We'll be right back after the break. We're going to talk to Rebecca Trish about some awards. Um, so you're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. What a great conversation. I know, I And know. what a great guest. Uh, we have to have Dr. Bob Thomas back on. Um, you know, he's really helped so many people and and kind of mentored and, and really provided so much knowledge to so many people who work in our field. So, you know, we're so grateful to him. Um, shifting gears a little bit, we're having uh, one of repeat our favorite guests. repeat, repeat guests, Miss Rebecca Trish with Louisiana Wildlife Federation. Hello, Rebecca. How are you? Hey, how are y'all? We're doing good. We're doing pretty good. Um, we heard that you got a little something coming up this weekend, and we wanted to talk. Um, 
It's not this weekend. Well, so this weekend we have oh, the no, Aca- right. the Academy Academy Awards, Award. but we've got a bigger Rebecca's and not in charge of the bigger, Academy Awards. <laughs> bigger <laughs> and better <laughs> award show coming up, right? Re- Re- Rebecca, tell us about that. Yeah, so our State Conservation Achievement Awards banquet's going to be on March 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day, and uh, it's going to be in Baton Rouge, and the program recognizes uh, uh, achievement in, you know, outstanding conservation work uh, in 2017. Rebecca, what year is this? So it's covering 2017. It's mostly, uh, you know, But this is like your 64th, 65th annual? Yes. This is the 54th year 54. that we've done it. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you'll have beautiful awards. The awards themselves are beautiful. Yes. They feature wildlife, an eagle or a wild turkey, a deer, a mountain a goat, a cougar. This is some really neat awards. A cougar. Represent. Love it. And, and you've got some really well-deserving um, award recipients this year. Tell us about who's getting the awards this year. Yeah, so we take nominations from the public, and the judges review that, an independent panel of judges. And um, this year, they recognize Bryn Hawes. I like uh, that guy. He was our first guest on our first show, and this was our anniversary show. So, Oh, well, good. Yeah, so it all uh, comes together in, in terms of excellence. So Bryn um, is the chief of the planning and research division for CPRA, and I know your show talks about their work a lot because that's the uh, main leader in coastal restoration, but particularly in leadership, Bryn um, was the leader, the architect, the the cat herder, if you (laughs) wouldn't mind being called that, um, of a team of more than 250, you know, scientists, citizen input, um, you know, engineering, technical, just all the folks that for, you know, a couple of years worked on the coastal master plan. So there was the team that wanted to update the master plan for 2017 that, you know, learning what we all have observed about planning for that five-year, you know, update. He just very visibly, it's a public role, and you could tell that he was uh, professional, collegial, um, many comments and letters of support talked about, you know, his genuine interest in uh, listening to what different uh, stakeholders had to say, trying to integrate that, anticipating what the technical challenges would be. And I'm sure just anyone who's a regular listener to this show knows there's a complexity to the problem and proposed solutions. And, you know, people prioritize some of those solutions differently. And so he, you know, I think made few enemies in, <laughs> in a process that's pretty fraught with uh, a lot of conflict. And so um, he's being recognized with the Governor's Award for 2017. Yeah, he is very deserving. Jacques just fussed me. He wasn't um, our first guest, but he was one of our first mm-hmm. guests because of how important he is. And I couldn't agree with you more, Rebecca. We just had Dr. Bob Thomas on talking about communications and, and science communications and talking about coastal restoration. And I have been part of so many conversations that Bryn has had with different stakeholders all across the coast where he has sat down and he has really listened to folks and taken their input in and it's informed the way that he's thought, you know, moving forward. And so very deserving. Bren is very deserving. You have some other award winners too that are also as deserving. 
Yes, we're recognizing um, six different categories. Um, we have uh, a volunteer at Botker who's from Ponchatoula, did a lot of um, work in, in the Hammond area, and just some of that volunteer work culminated in 2017. Um, an educator, really, is someone who works at the Black Bayou River uh, Black Bayou Lake National Wildlife Refuge in Monroe, who's a fantastic staff person and just really does outreach in the community to get people to enjoy the refuge. And that's what we're all about, recognizing people's enjoyment of the outdoors, preserving, conserving, educating. Um, Louisiana uh, Public Broadcasting, LPB, had um, one of their Louisiana Public Square episodes was on coastal restoration, the next wave, and the judges felt like not only was it a quality production that um, was educational about where we're at today um, on coastal restoration, and that was, you know, really good time to talk about the master plan being presented in 2017, but there was a lot of engagement afterwards on the website about the issue and a lot of feedback, so that's being recognized. South Wings is the... um, Conservation Task, yes, Organization. Yes. yes, and I think people, um, if you've ever had the opportunity to see our coast from the air, you really get the vastness, but also, you know, what, what's a degradation. You can see the, the healthy side where, you know, water's allowed to flow on, say, the east side of the river and where it looks like it's degrading on the west side, and you just really need that bird's eye view and south wing volunteers um for several years have volunteered their time and their plane to take up you know media decision makers educators senators yeah (laughs) you know people who you know we need to get the message out who are trying to put the complexity together and then when they look at the delta and they say oh my gosh i get it um, so they're being recognized this year for, you know, their volunteer efforts. And I have to say that they also helped uh, transport some endangered whooping cranes to Louisiana. Um, and that's my favorite bird. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that work <laughs> is incredible. I mean, all of their work is incredible. And, you know, one of the amazing things about this awards um, program and, and the ceremony is so many people, so many organizations go above and beyond and are working so hard day and night you know, to, to, to do something about this crisis that we're facing here. And to ha- and it's so great that LWF is recognizing that w- work and saying, like, these people are important, we need them, and they, they deserve our praise. Did you hear Rebecca, though? She ca- she just laid it on the line, whooping crane, favorite bird. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, at least you she's up it. front about it. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, where can they find uh, more information about the awards ceremony uh, on the 17th? Yeah, so our website has, um, you know, announces the winners, how you can attend the banquet, um, what, who our sponsors are for the banquet, which we appreciate. It helps us fund those fantastic statuettes that the award winners get. And it's lawildlifefed.org. So it's kind of the short version of Federation. It's mm-hmm. lawildlifefed.org. Do you all have an MC this year? We do, and it's Dr. Paul Carell. Nice. We were just talking about Paul. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's a, he's a fantastic guy who knows so much about the state, just coming from Ag Center and leading LSU Ag Center and, and a uh, former vice chancellor. So, uh, yeah, so he knows so many people. He, he's really a good asset on our, our board. I have to brag on him. 
Well, Rebecca, again, um, March 17th in Baton Rouge is the LWF Awards Banquet. Please go online, lawildlifefed.org, and buy your tickets. Um, it's a great night and Thanks. support of wonderful people, wonderful organizations that are doing amazing work for yeah. our coast. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for hosting those awards, and thanks for being on the show today, Rebecca. Yeah, can I make a quick plug? Or we of course. Absolutely. Yep. Hey, so we are working with CPRA to host a public meeting on the Marpaw Diversion. Ooh, so okay. Um, you know, Marpaw Swamp is between Baton Rouge and New Orleans, so many of your listeners probably know that area. And so it's going to be at the end of March, and we'll be announcing some information soon yeah, on Yeah, we'd that, love to have you back on the show. We've talked yeah. about Marpaw before. We'd love to have you back. Talk yep. about it some more. Up. Sounds good. We're going to have you back. Thank you so much, Rebecca. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Happy one-year anniversary, Simone. Happy anniversary, Happy anniversary, Delta Dispatches. (laughs) Thank you for all your support and your listenership. Um, And we will have you back next week with Mark Schlefstein from Times-Picayune and John Schwartz from the New York Times discussing the Drowning Coast. This has been Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. Have a great week. Bye. With Foscoli Foods, no need for last-minute rushing. Less complicated means more fun. Make life easier by bringing out an unmistakable New Orleans tradition. Now available in Italian, Kalamata, and Jalapeno blends. Our olive salads 